It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name's James True Penny. This is my show. And today we are with New Japan Pro Wrestling for New Beginnings in Hiroshima. Two shows that happened. We'll be discussing this with Mr. John Dinsdale, Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine, the Master of Death matches. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm not bad. It is currently Valentine's Day when recording, so what better day for irreparable hate towards one another? <laughs> John is John is going through some stuff at the moment. And also joining us is Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are you, sir? Doing good, man. Just here to sit on a learning tree of you and John, man. <laughs> the learning the learning tree of disappointment <laughs> okay so i'll be honest i did enjoy some elements of these two shows um but i, I there was some dross which we'll get to the dross um there was also some news out of japan this week and america about new japan pro wrestling which i'm sure we'll discuss um, some of it, which was hilariously bad. But we'll start with the actual shows. Marcus, would you like to give your opinion on the Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, Yoshinuba, Kanatmura match against Gabriel Kidge, Yotosuji, and Yui Iwamura? It lasted eight minutes and one seconds with the obvious team winning, uh, and Minoru Suzuki indeed putting Iwe Iwamura under the learning tree, possibly for the very last time for a while. What's your thoughts, Marcus? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, that that's pretty much the match under the Suzuki learning tree, which is not as uh, mentally stimulating as it probably sounds. Aside um, <laughs> from getting your brain bashed in, I guess if you call that stimulating. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what possessed these guys to think that a three-on-one assault will work on this demon. But, uh, <laughs> but it was hilarious, and you know, God bless them for trying. But uh, you know. Um, like I said, they tried, you know, it feels like they tried to get retribution for all the young lines and the ring guys that Suzuki ever beat down. Um, but it, it didn't it didn't happen. But it, but it was fun to watch because you don't see a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, essentially try to like gain warfare on Suzuki. So it's fun. No, that, that, that was it. I mean, I suppose the, there is the argument, well, everything else hasn't worked. So <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so as a strategy, I don't mind it. I think I think they went in unmanned, undergunned, and ashamed. Sean, what are your thoughts on this opener? This was one of the best matches we got out of the two shows, which really tells you something about what we were watching. But I, I enjoyed this for what it was. It was quite hilarious, and obviously Suzuki just terrorising young lines is never going to not be fun to watch to me. <laughs> no, absolutely true. Iwamura's had this on and off relationship with Minoru Suzuki for the last year where he's tried to gain respect. And it got to New Year's Dash where Suzuki actually delivered the gotch pile driver because he believed up until that point Iwamura wasn't worthy of having the gotch pile driver applied to him. But he went back to the Boston single leg Boston Crab just to embarrass him and beat him with his own finisher <laughs> this week, which is Minoru gives, he taketh away. But mainly, he taketh away. And uh, that's where we are with that. Iwamura is likely to go off on excursion after this and have a rest, to be honest with you, because, you know, that's probably what he needs. Next up was oh, John's favourite wrestler, Master Wato. 
losing to Bushi in 11 minutes and 8 seconds. Hiroyoshi Tenzan was at ringside. That'll be Wato's diva, as Wato calls him. Um, John, your thoughts on the new trousers and the new fringe? I mean, at least he doesn't look like a failed Power Ranger now. He looks like a knockoff Tai Chi, which is a bit of an improvement, if you like Tai Chi. But, and as you know, no one on this show except you does. <laughs> this was better than any other Wato match I've seen so far. He only botched two moves, including the first bloody dive he did, where he nearly just <laughs> collapsed over the rope and crashed into the apron. It's a good job Bushi is like a bit of a ring general and knows how to command a match, because otherwise this would have just flopped harder than Wato falling out of the ring. We all know my opinion on Wato. If you like him, great. I don't. <laughs> Marcus, what's your thoughts? Because I think John's right. Bushy actually put in a bit of a lifetime performance here to make this match work. I not, I don't dislike Wato as much as John does, but I can see the obvious flaws. I think potentially he could be great. But there's an awful lot of pressure on a person in this role, and I don't think he's quite built for it yet. But Marcus, what did you think? Yeah, you know it's funny. I told um, James this on our on our last show, which uh, looking back is uh, superior to these two shows. Um, <laughs> it feels like, uh, but I can't watch Watto now without hearing your voice in my head now, John. <laughs> 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 Commentating him into the ground, um, which helps, um, but. Um, like James, I, I see potential is just, you know, you see a guy with tools and he's kind of just, you know, trying to see which one works. And like I said, I think it'll be interesting down the line if we, you know, finally see him be able to put all of them together. Uh, but right now, um, he is, he is, you know, putting some stuff together. And it was cool to see him get a win and, and switch the looks up. Uh, definitely agree as as a fan of Bushi, as, as we are here, it was cool to see him put in work. Although it does feel like he left it all in that match because when he had to lend an assist later on in the night, he looked like he kind of was gassed for some reason um, and left looking dumbfounded. But uh, yeah, like I said, it was uh, it was it was cool to see Wado get a win. But I was mostly looking forward to your commentary afterwards. So. <laughs> oh, just wait yeah. until we get to the later matches, and oh. <laughs> But speaking of commentary, commentary was handled by one Kevin Kelly on his own, most of this, until the LP turned up later in the evening. Uh, and it was very good. I just want to raise that fact because Kevin Kelly's awesome. And today, there was the Road to Castle attack shows and Tetsuya Nato was announced and came out and then started pantomiming to the Japanese commentary, where's Kevin? Because the, the English commentary spot at Kurokan Hall isn't there because it's too close to the fans to be socially distanced. So I believe Kevin is probably commentating from somewhere in the bowels of the Tokyo Dome on a monitor. And NATO kind of just like, where's the table? And then just kind of sat down and pretended to commentate on his own introduction. He misses Kevin. And it's I thought so that was good. sweet. Like, you right, know? Oh, so damn good. Kevin, Kevin's <laughs> so good. <laughs> he thought, oh, he misses Kevin. We all miss Kevin. Well, we've missed Kevin a long while. Also, props to Kevin Kevin Kelly as well. Bear in mind, to commentate on Wrestle Kingdom, he had to self-isolate in Japan for 14 days, which meant he missed Christmas with his family to be a commentator for New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I think is 
pretty cool. I think it's I think it's perhaps over reliance on your job and you maybe need to take a break, Kevin. But also I think it's pretty cool that you did that because you believe in the product so much. So that's really cool. But anyway, moving on. Chaos, Roki Goto, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Tori Yano, and Yoshihashi defeated Bullet Club. El Fantasmo, Evil, Jay White, Taiji Ishimura, Yujiro Takahashi, with Dick Togo and Gedo. Yes, there were 12 people plus a referee involved in this matchup in 12 minutes and 8 seconds. And is living proof that just because you have more people doesn't make it any better. John, your thoughts? I'm pretty sure the entrances for this match lasted longer than the match. Yeah, because everyone got a solo introduction. <laughs> they have this weird... Like method of bringing like three people out, and then Evil gets an entrance, and Jay White gets an entrance, and then bloody Okada gets an entrance, Ishii gets an entrance. It's I don't get that method. Just bring them all out under one thing. Save us all some time. I and think then... back. I think back in the day when they were trying to make matches shorter so they could fit twelve matches on one card, they would do. But these days, they've got to fill it with something and. Entrances. I mean, if it's a card as entrance, that's a cool entrance. You want to see all of that. But they could have just done Jay White and a card and left the other two or four together, couldn't they? Really? It's like I'd rather just watch like a solid two hours without any sort of fluff than three hours where half an hour of that is solely entrances. Like, I get... to... Carry on, sorry. I get people work hard on entrance teams and entrance attires and things like that, but at the same time, like we don't need to see them all all the time. They'll get their time to shine at some point. Just just stop wasting our time. <laughs> that was gonna say that's what the Divas used to complain about in the WWF in the in the early two thousands was the fact their matches would be eight limits eight minutes long and that six minutes of that would be introductions. <laughs> so yes. Marcus, your thoughts on this tag team affair? Yeah, it's funny. I I just watched this like literally a few hours ago, and I this this match. I'm finding myself as y'all talking, trying to remember <laughs> stuff from this match. I guess that speaks volumes. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot, and, and 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 nothing at the same time. I guess is all I can say. <laughs> you know, like you said, because of the interests. But you know, there's like you said, there's twelve people. But you know, so. The good team won, but I mean, essentially, <laughs> kind of more so. And as, as New Japan does, use these big tag matches to set up and to continue to stir the animosity and and, and build towards these singular, singular matches. Um, as El Fantasma would be an ongoing theme through both these shows, unfortunately. Indeed, um, I think you could describe this match like the Venus de Milo. Nice to look at, but not all there. Um. Next, moving on, we have Los Ignorables de Japón, Sonada, and Tetsuya Nato. They defeated Kota Ibushi and Tomiyaka Onma in 11 minutes and 2 seconds. Naito has been having a mini-feud with Honma for no apparent reason, because apparently it'll give him something to do, and that's really what's prepped him to challenge the Intercontinental Championship. We'll get to that later. Um, and then Sonada and Naito... Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Sonata and Nato were two of the crispest tag team wrestlers in the world, and Ibushi would could you know carry a stack of bricks to a good match. There was nothing specifically wrong with this match. It just didn't do an awful lot because the Sonata Ibushi feud has been so polite. Marcus, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Again, that that word comes up. You kind of you know with that. Um 
kind of ease narrative going into the match and, and, and with certain history you kind of kind of get a good idea where this might go um and essentially this match just this made you like want you to get to the, the single matches so we can get it out the way type of deal like uh, again there's nothing horrible but at the same time it's not exactly you know firing on on all the you know the death cylinders with Coda and, and Sonata and like you said, NATO's kind of just going through his motions right now. It's cool to see Hanma because Hanma's one of those guys um, that that can turn it up when he gets the right opponent in the right scenario. But essentially, I don't think anybody's lining up to see a Hanma main event or anything. <laughs> no. Uh, in fact, we know people who would, would possibly cancel their New Japan World subscriptions if there was a Hanma main event. John, your thoughts? Uh, I can only remember one spot from this match. And it was a double Kokeshi with Ibushi and Hanma, and they both smiled afterwards, and it, it felt nice. And then I don't remember anything else. That was which, about right. Which is terrible, considering Naito and Ibushi are in this match, and I cannot remember it. <laughs> How do you do that? Three of the most, yeah, some of the most naturally gifted, talented wrestlers on the New Japan roster, and Tomiyaka Hanma. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> This is the thing. This is these two cards. Me and John were discussing this before Marcus joined us, and it's just like there's too many cards and not enough talent to make all of these matches go round. Even like like me and Marcus said when we watched the first show in in Nagata, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a solid show. You know, it was two and a half hours of rollicking action that kept you on the edge of your seat. Everyone went home happy. This was not sending people home even barely amused. So, <laughs> but and it's and it's just like these are your, three of your top stars in the company. I mean, Homer's popular, but you know he's not like a top star. But it it really did look like none of them were interested in being there that much, you know. And you need more from your top guys. You really do. Um, I just remembered another moment. What's that? Naito <laughs> mocking Hamna's voice. Oh, yeah, he does he that. He had him in the throat, like in a chokehold, and he's just, like, rasping at the camera. I don't think anyone likes Hamna that much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, we'll move on then. Everyone's talked about that match, haven't they? Because, again, it's like, there's not a lot to say, is there, really? It's all right. Doesn't that just sum up both of these shows in a nutshell? Yeah, but we will <laughs> persevere and get through it because there was some good stuff. And the next stuff was mostly very long. Um, Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa defeated Dangerous Techers, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. in a match that felt like it went for at least three weeks, uh, but it was actually only 29 minutes and eight seconds. Dookie was on the side of Dangerous Techers, and after all that mess... G.O.D. won by a disqualification. And uh, I can understand they're trying to tell the story of the Iron Fingers and it's Iska and it's and it's the, the madness and all that and stuff. But you could have done it in 18 minutes and it had been a lot more succinct. And these are two of the best tag teams. No, they are the best two. Well, two of the best tag teams you've got. And they're not really pulling their weight in this kind of match. So they need to do a bit more interesting stuff. Uh, I think it's John's turn, isn't it? What do you think of this one? This match is the personification of cuckoldry. (laughs) 
Okay, go on. Because it, it takes forever to get going. It then gets really damn good, and then it leaves you unsatisfied. Oh. So you, I... might, you might as well be... It's a voyeuristic match. It's like you're watching it, and you're thinking, this would be so much better elsewhere. And then, <laughs> and then it just blue balls you on the ending, because it's like, yeah, we've made you sit here for nearly half an hour with about 10 to 15 minutes of that being good. 10 minutes of that being them pissing about with paper bags to find the iron fingers while Tamatonga does his best impression of the Joker. And then it gives you a DQ finish. And you just... Ugh. I love both these teams. I can't believe they managed to baby first Tai Chi in this match. I And then they ruin all of it with such a limp dick ending. Why? <laughs> do that storylines are not more important than making your audience happy you do not make someone sit there for 29 minutes for and 8 seconds you. oh the 8 seconds was how long it takes to register that you've just lost your <laughs> titles because you hit someone with iron fingers in front of the ref and you're just there like they, they did that this is starting to look more and more like WWE booking every damn day. Yeah, it was a bit directionless. Marcus, can you follow that review? Because there was a lot going on with what John was saying there. Well, here, well, here goes everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, to, to directly follow John's uh, point since he went down that particular rabbit hole, I, it was hard because, you know, I was looking forward to James James's commentary on this because, you know, very much he is a big fan of the Dangerous Checkers. Um, and it did get to a point in this thing where um, they did turn up the, the wrestling. But, you know, ultimately, I just sat there thinking about the end of the match. I sat here for almost 30 minutes um, and halfway through going, okay, at this point, which one of these four men are going to get iron-fingered? Yeah. Because, like, what? Like, what are we doing? And and then early on in the match, I think I saw bread and a bra, and I had, <laughs> I had to pause it to make sure I wasn't watching the USA Network over here. <laughs> I'm like, in 1998. <laughs> what, is, like, what, is, like, what is going on? Like, cause it, it, it sucks even more because you know these two, these are two top-tier teams. I'm a huge GOD fan. You know they can do better. Obviously, the, that, you know, they went for a different narrative tonight. I still am not used to. Like, I feel like whoever this Tomatonga is with the clean face kidnapped the Tomatonga. <laughs> I will never get used to the baby face. But, yeah, it was just, and, and like John said, the end on the DQ thing, like, that's not even a New Japan thing. Like, I looked up, and like, did they secretly have Russo book this week? Like, <laughs> what y'all, like, what, what is this? So, um yeah it, it was weird it, it just it was weird i never complain about watching tai chi get beat up or god getting the win but yeah this was uh I, I can't wait for them to race this with a better match yeah i think this is the issue all four of these guys can do better i can understand why you'd want a light fluffy affair after you have the big heavy match at wrestle kingdom and you know, the Red Tag League run, and but they got some seriousness going with it. People started caring about this division again, and then all of a sudden, 
Yeah, the Iron Fingers are important to the history of New Japan wrestling and Iska and all that, but you could do it without the emphasis on it so much and make it more of an interesting story. Myself, it was just too pantomime to be true and just takes you out the moment too much. That That's really, you know, I, I understand. I know why it's there and it makes sense and, and stuff, but it just wasn't well executed. I think that's my biggest issue with it. Four guys who know how to do wrestling really, really well. So let them do wrestling really, really well. Have that as a B storyline. Don't make it the entire focus of a feud. And then to add an insult to injury, <laughs> a little bit, Juice Robinson and David Finley have been farmed off to Impact Wrestling last night. <laughs> so it's like, oh, the next guys were obvious to wrestle them are now going to be stuck in North America for a bit. But there you go. That's That's where we are with this. And I love the idea of Finley and Finjuice in Impact Wrestling. They've got some good tag teams to have a crack at, but it's just like, oh, so we're not going to see G.O.D. versus Finjuice again, which would be lovely. We're going to have to see something else. But there we are. I actually had to pause this match at one point because Zach came into the match. He's all fired up. He's got Tongaloa. He just he just screams, come on, big boy, at him. And I just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zach to death. And just the the sort of the accent he has with that in that current scenario when there's a bra outside the ring it's just too much it's like watching a clown car crash and just <laughs> all of these horrific clownish moments are sort of crawling around on fire and you just yeah this is this is I'm, I am thinking when this booking meeting came out and like Tam Tonga says right I'm going to put some bras in some bread wrapper bags. And then... <laughs> and Zach was going, you up. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, at this point, they almost need to change that intro to uh, Ain't Nobody Witter Than Gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it just uh, blew the mind. But anyway, we get to the main event, which was actually quite good. But again, incredibly long. Show versus Aroma Takahashi. 35 minutes and 38 seconds. I, I just didn't believe this could go this long. I mean, it's the main event, and this is kind of standard format time now for New Japan main events. Nothing less than half an hour. You have to actually, you know, go a long period of time. And these two have had an interesting feud, but I bet you absolutely any money, no one in that arena thought Show was going to win that belt. So it was perhaps the wrong time for Show to challenge for that belt. Maybe could have saved it down the line and maybe given somebody else a chance, like Desperado again. Well, maybe not Desperado too soon, but certainly like Kanemura or somebody like that, who was like, you didn't mind them losing, if that makes sense. Um, and it just, it was great. It was fantastic, don't get me wrong, but it did take an awful long time. And I think they need to vary the main event slots up. They can't all go 40 minutes because that's, you know, it's not realistic, I don't think. It's not good for the health of the wrestlers either. I know they're not doing it as often as they used to, but I think that you, you risk an injury of your big stars if they keep going for this length of time. Marcus, what were your thoughts on this main event? Yeah, very much in alignment with you. Um, there was no doubt going into this match um, that it was going to be good. The juniors always show out and you know, showing Yo uh, obviously showed out as a tag team and, and proved themselves and uh, certainly have done some great stuff individually, particularly show. Um, but yeah, it did get to a point where, you know, with the, with the, the near falls is like, cause you kind of know, like he's the guy that's coming 
but not the guy that's that's gonna ultimately usurp Tanahashi. He's too hot right now, Takahashi, I should say. Um, and it just got kind of got to a point. Specifically, when you see what's that, what ultimately happened is like you could have cut ten minutes off this. Easy. Yeah, and, and it wouldn't have detracted. It wouldn't have detracted from um from show at all. But you know, Takahashi's been the war. He's he's kind of bred to for this, and I get it. Like I said, show is the future, but, but Takahashi is very much the ongoing present um, and will be for a while, d- depending on, you know, what they let uh, the crazy guy on commentary do. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the issue, isn't it? It's like Takahashi is the man. And, you know, um, I don't see anyone else being the man for quite some time. I see show being the man in a couple of years time when he's had time to establish himself as a singles wrestler, and they've gone about the right way of promoting him. And I think Yo, when he comes back, is going to be a hell of a junior heavyweight and be in that lesser role to show. And that's an interesting story I want to come see. Um, But again, Takahashi is the guy. They've not had anyone this over as junior heavyweight champion since the heyday of Jushin Liger in the early 1990s or late 1990s. So they're going to ride that as long as they can. And so therefore... It means matches will be predictable, but you want to see what Takahashi wants to do. What's your thoughts on this one, John? So it started really hot. I don't remember anything that happened in the middle, then ended really hot. Yeah. Why did there need to be a middle bit? I feel like this could have been about 20 to 25 minutes of just sheer excellent wrestling, but instead we got 35 minutes and 38 seconds of semi-great, semi-forgettable wrestling that, from what I could gather from commentary, purely went that long so they could break a record. Because that is now the longest junior heavyweight match on record. Yeah. Which seems like, which seems like churlish, because it's like, there's very few people on this earth who can make a 40-minute or 35-minute match interesting without there being slow bits in it. Akada does it by starting off slow <laughs> and building some momentum into the match. It's the Hashimoto trick. You know, build your momentum over a period of time and it doesn't feel like you've been there forever. Pick up the pace in the last 10 minutes, but keep yourself steady. Where are these junior heavyweights? They have to go hard from the... The bell ringing. You can't do it any other way. It doesn't look right. And, you know, there's very few wrestlers in the history of pro wrestling that have been able to do this every night and make it work. There's a couple, you know, Ric Flair, Nick Bockwinkle, Minami Toyota. They could do all of this for an hour and it wouldn't be an issue for them. But with modern junior heavyweight wrestling, you have to go that hard and that fast for so long. There's a just... mm. Just didn't sure, necessary. Sure, technically can get away with it to a degree because he doesn't sort of wrestle that generic fast-paced junior style. He's a lot more of a sort of powerhouse. He could theoretically slow matches down and it wouldn't be boring. <laughs> like, oh, this is sure showing he's a powerhouse. But they didn't really go for that here when if you were... If you knew you were going to go for that length of time, you needed to do something convincing. Yeah, I think that's the issue. Is it's 
Yeah, it's just it's just not necessary. We don't need 40-minute main events every time. It just doesn't I have to happen. I don't see the point of trying to break records when you've got half... Like, it's not, it's not even half, is it? It's like 30% of your audience there to see it. What's, what's the point? You might as well be saving these bigger sort of matches when more people can appreciate them. There is also the point of... Um... The thing I was going to say was there is also the point that I've kind of lost my thread now. Sorry, I'm halfway through a thought and you, you said something and it just went out of my head. Um, but there is, they do have lesser rosters. The roster isn't as strong, so the matches go longer. But you could have had some of them 10 man tags go longer and still make it entertaining. It doesn't need to be 40 minutes long. The story required a 20 minute story. That's, that's the way it is. You know, that was the point I was making. Jay White said this in a promo, but he's absolutely right. Everyone worries about having the best match. That's not the point. We're pro wrestlers. We're there to win, and we should win in the quickest time possible because why would you need to wrestle for 45 minutes? Why are you proud of the fact you're wasting your body when you should be able to get the job done in 15? And though it's a kayfabe um, interview, he's absolutely bang on. We should be, you know... These guys should be trying to finish each other off in shorter periods of time to save their bodies for the next big match, which is just around the corner because this product is so exciting. That's an easier story to tell. Um, but anywho, that was that. And then we had a bit of interference towards the end from your Taiji Ishimori and your ELP. And Bushi came to make the save. And that sets up for the tag feud of Taiji Ishimori and ELP, your current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, going hard up against Hiromu and uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi, which should be actually a bit of a corker, except for the fact that I find ELP really boring, but that's just me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, I'm, I'm basically, I mean, he's... Like, I actually liked him on the last show uh, on commentary, but and th- this time there was a narrative purpose for it, but it, it came off like... Like Kevin Kelly was like he let his like his little nephew or something come to work. And he, was, <laughs> he was doing too much and he was trying to quiet him down. Um, <laughs> but what was also weird, and I don't know if this stood out to the two of you, but um, Hiromu got jumped, and then, then Bushi came out, and then Hiromu fought off both attackers. I'm like Bushi, what what were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like he got like he almost passed out got jumped then recovered and fended off both parties i'm like what are you okay yeah uh, you see you just pulled a goku and used um bushi's energy for a spirit bomb that was it she's <laughs> just there to be some sort of photosynthesis inducing body for Hiromu to power up on that's my theory John's like, you spent the entire half of the first night carrying Watto. Give the man a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. No, you're right. It's just like, brother's got this. What's going on? Leave him alone. He's, he's doing fine. <laughs> but there you go. Um, hey, I'm sure. here if you need me. Oh, oh, you've, you've already done it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Bye. Okay, we should at this point take time to discuss other news that went on in Japan this week um, and outside of Japan. We already talked about Finjuice making their Impact Wrestling promo debut. You also had 
Uh, Kenta tagging with Kenny Omega against uh, John Moxley and Pentagon. Not Pentagon. The other one. His name. His name just escapes me. Phoenix. There we go. <laughs> uh, on AEW, which was available on New Japan. As someone said, the forbidden door is now open, which is such a grand phrase for saying we really need to make some money, so let's pull resources. What are your thoughts on the talent swap agreement, guys? I'll start with John. What's your thoughts on the talent swaps between Impact Pro Wrestling, AEW, and New Japan Pro Wrestling? And where does this leave Ring of Honor, who, for want of a better phrase, are in the shitter? To be fair, Ring of Honor are doing fine without New Japan. Like, their recent product has been fine because they've been investing more in American talent and people closer to them. But the sort of... The talent swap thing to me seems like why wasn't this happening sooner? We've got all this, like, maybe not so much in the middle of a pandemic, but if you've got companies that have guys that either aren't doing anything all the time or are free to move about and do things with other companies, you should let them because you are showcasing your brand every time you let a wrestler fight somewhere else. AEW invading Impact is has been weird. And I don't think it's worked quite as well as they wanted it to, but it's still brought eyes to both products. And you've got these new opportunities for the Good Brothers to appear on AEW, Omega, main eventing an Impact pay-per-view, and now with New Japan as well, and the rumoured Okada heading over there. That's amazing for Impact. New Japan are sort of basically just having fun with this, it seems, because they're like, eh, why not? Let's we want to get eyes in the US again. We've got New Japan strong. Why don't why don't we just send Okada over there for a show? Why not? And it it's it's fine. I don't get why companies seem to be so vehemently against talent swapping. You want to keep your product and roster fresh. You want to give your own roster new opportunities. Just do it. You've got nothing to lose. Um, I would disagree with that on premise only on the fact that history has said that invasion angles have always been bad for the smaller companies. And I think it was quite sensible of New Japan to hold off until something had got established. And your other problem is old Harold Meiji, who was the president of New Japan Pro Wrestling up until quite recently, didn't want to work with AEW and absolutely flat refused and certainly wouldn't work with Impact. Um, there is a long history of bad blood between Impacts and uh, AEW, but that seems to have worked itself out. And so there is there's political reasons for it. I can understand what you're saying. Yes, it has raised awareness of wrestling, other companies with other companies, but there's, I don't know. I don't there's, think there's... it would have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic. The pandemic has kind of changed everything because a lot of companies are a lot less, out, like are a lot more out of pocket than they would have been had wrestling continued as usual. There's sort of this need to work together for sort of like mutual survival. I think as well, if New Japan hadn't got that deal with Roku to have a New to have a New Japan US show as well, I don't think it would have happened. And I also don't think it would have happened if I think. The management team who were in charge of New Japan at the time were absolutely hurt by about Access TV and then buying out, or the essentially Anthem buying Access TV from Mark Cuban so they could have their own wrestling channel, basically. And I think that um, New Japan was certainly hurt by that. But I don't think that management team holds much sway anymore. 
you know, it was Harold Mage's crew running that then, so that was a different kind of thing. Marcus, what's your thoughts on this particular crossover? I'm, I'm with both you guys. Uh, first off, to John, to John's point about Ring of Honor, um, they, they are doing better for themselves by relying more on themselves and tying it closer to them because, I, I, I mean, I think it was, you know, um, more than clear as they got to a point where they was just so far heavily leaning on New Japan, they might as well have been absorbed by them at one point. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've, I've been thoroughly enjoying their product since the Pure Tournament. Hopefully they keep their wits about them. And continue, uh, like I said, to invest in what's there. Um, now, when it comes to the whole impact thing, as me and you well know, James, even you know when they're doing the right thing, they kind of still find a way, even if unintentionally, to come up on the short end of the stick sometimes. Um, so when it comes to the whole AEW thing and Tony Khan's cutting them down every week in promos, whether it's that's the 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 narrative, you know, or not. Um. It, it has been kind of weird um, because, you know, I look at guys like uh, the Good Brothers and they, they come off to me, and maybe this is just me, I was talking with somebody else about this, but they, they come off to me more like an AEW pair that's just been in impact. Yeah, I think it's probably because of the, if you think about it in the terms of like the guys who are in AEW who came from New Japan still act like New Japan wrestlers because they're allowed to. They're not trying to be anything else. And I think the Good Brothers... From what I understand, there was a miscommunication between negotiations between AEW and the Good Brothers, so yeah. they missed out on going to AEW because of that. Yeah. But they certainly look comfortable there now, yeah. and their aesthetic and their kind of comedy leadings match AEW more than they do Impact, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's why I didn't really want them to get the straps because it was just, you know, it kind of it presented as one thing but felt like something else. Um, but you know, Impact's been been doing better, thankfully, and, and with this uh, insert of talent, you know, I think it's gonna liven up the product. Now, when it comes to New Japan, like you said, James, I want the business side of things. I get it because they they've also to you know we talked about it before. They they've been burned by talent mostly from the Bullet Club, which yeah. is which is <laughs> bundling around right in this particular scenario. So I can understand that, and it's not like they've been desperate. Uh, in, in certain situations, like bringing in talent is going to improve our product. They have a health, a healthy uh, product, but collaboration is always uh, good to do. And, and like John said, specifically in these times, it kind of almost seems like a no-brainer from a certain perspective. Uh, just when everybody has the correct, I guess, on the same page when it comes to like what are the motives behind this? Because obviously, AEW's the the new you know the new kid in town and trying to establish themselves. So. Um, Impact once again is redefining themselves as usual, and uh, <laughs> and, and New Japan is is, is going to you know do what they do. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where all this goes. Hopefully things don't get muddled and you know somebody gets left behind and and, and kind of looking like the redheaded step kid that that tried to get in a dodgeball game but never should have came in the gym in the first place. But uh, yeah, I, I do like the collaboration. It just, it just works because most of these guys are getting each other um leg up to get in these companies in the first place so yeah that's for sure just on uh, the impact front they, mm-hmm. they this week they just had black taurus appear and join the care i i love that i gotta really. say that again because you, you didn't hear what you said um this week on impact they just had black taurus appear and join the care and 
that's amazing because it's like here you've got one of the most unique and dynamic luchadors on the planet and he's just now an impact they didn't really explain how he got there it's just he's here now and i'm like (laughs) sure i'm always happy to see more black tarus there you go fair enough um in other news new japan managed to shoot themselves in the foot yet again with billy emotion spray or Billy Nomates, as we call him, it William Osprey, as, as he likes to call, who's moved on from emulating one of the Cray brothers, the notorious psycho- psychotic London criminals, to now having merch which is designed to, well, emulate essentially right wing fascism. Uh, this week, New Japan also launched a new t shirt to an immediate backlash on Twitter, as someone pointed out Have you not Google searched skinheads? as they developed a golf shirt, which is essentially based on the Fred Perry design um, with the Empire's new three-finger signal, which essentially makes them look like Proud Boys because that's what Proud Boys do. The Proud Boys got that T-shirt from National Front organised people in the 1970s in England who were trying to organise the working classes into a revolt against immigration, which is awfully deep political stuff. And my personal feeling is, is Osprey's far too stupid to have done anything about it and just thought it looked like a cool shirt. But here we are. John. I mean, Osprey even had anything to do with this. Like, <sighs> I imagine a lot of the time wrestling, like, I'm not defending Osprey. If he had a hand to do with it, he's an idiot. But it's like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times wrestlers are just sort of, the shirts are made and then it's like, oh, yeah, you've got this now. And they're like, oh, oh, cool. So it's not like, it's not like when you're on the independent scene, you can sort of you hire artists to make the shirts based on stuff you've approved. I imagine a lot of the time, New Japan are kind of just like, oh, we've put this on a shirt now, enjoy it. It's like if you yeah. look at some of New Japan's shirt designs, it's literally just words on a t-shirt, and it's like, oh, cool. Did did the wrestler actually see that before it went out? Yes, this is a company that once used uh, used the SS symbol in a poster. I can't remember which show it was, but it was about 2010, and it was Tanahashi. It was Tanahashi versus Nakamura. I think it was Destruction, which had German font. It's World War Two era German font with the SS symbol on the poster. So they're lacking awareness to a certain degree, but they could have Googled this. I'm not sure if you've seen this or not, Marcus. No, I, I, I hadn't. Um, <laughs> that's it's funny because uh, I also just saw that that interview, and I don't know how recent it is. Uh, when Tanahashi basically just yeah uh, didn't necessarily bury Yoshitatsu, but essentially that's what it was. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, I'm doing it, Yoshitatsu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This this is weird. If I mean. Because this is not something we usually get from New Japan specifically, you know, because they're you know, very usually good with optics from from what I've seen anyway. Um, <laughs> with certain things anyway, but for whatever reason, and I get it, the type of talent he is, but, you know, it's just sad because it seems like it's not that long ago we were talking about this guy having one of the best years of any wrestling in the past however many years. And now it's like, like I, I take Grado over you. Oh my God! <laughs> like so, it's you know, it's a it's a sad thing. The true leader of Britain's golden generation, Grado. Uh, we <laughs> I think we can all agree there. Yeah, I I mean, it is just 
I think this is the issue is like he can get away with it because it's not in the UK and there won't be a backlash in Japan because they won't understand it. Um, and no matter how much British fans moan about him because he's a horrible person and a bully, we're kind of stuck with him in New Japan Pro Wrestling. There was a good article. I can't remember which website did. If you uh, follow Pollyanna, there was a good article this week that went through the entire Pollyanna issue. And, oh, uh, a, it was an independent blog thing. Yeah, it was. It was really well researched, though, wasn't it? It was really yeah. well done. Yeah, um, I'm sure if you go through my retweets, I retweeted it. It, it was uh, it was very fair, and a commentary from Emily Pratt, who I'm a big fan of and fan by, and uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, you should read that because it about as about as fair as you can uh, assessment of the situation. Um, shall we move on to night two? Oh no, we've got one other thing to talk about. Last night. Um, Kiyeji Muto became the first wrestler in a long time to win the GHC Heavyweight Championship, completing his set of the IWGP Triple Crown and Global Honor Crown Championships. Uh, at the age of 58 years old, headlining Budokan Hall, he indeed still has got it. John, your thoughts? It's Muto. I'm never not going to. I'm never going to be against this. It's like, I'm not particularly knowledgeable on Noah. I know how... He was against Go Shiyazaki, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He beat Go and... Shiyazaki. He's had a bit of a phenomenal run with this GHC Heavyweight Championship and kind of brought the company back to prominence, to be honest. I know how good Go Shiyazaki is, but it's just like, it's Muto. Like, if if you're going to have to go through another old veteran period, pick Muto. He's charismatic <laughs> as hell. He's still got it. And it, yeah. I enjoyed the match. I've actually watched the match. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I really... I get people being against it because... Yeah, you've just had one of the hottest talents on the Japanese wrestling scene lose to a 58-year-old. But this is Keiji Muto. Like, yeah, that's it. I don't think you can be angry at losing to Keiji Muto. That's like losing to history itself. <laughs> Marcus, have you got any thoughts on this? So, I mean, like John, uh, I'm not too knowledgeable on Noah or DDT. It's just, you know, the wrestling palette kind of feels full a lot of times already. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just so great to hear. I mean, like, you know, because Katie, absolute legend, um, and, and always find some kind of way to, uh, you know, reemerge and do something, do something big. So, this is just cool to see. Um, you know, period, and, and where this could possibly go. You know, I'm just, like I said, it's cool, you know, for KG to, to pull that off. And um, I am looking forward to seeing what happens. It will be nice to see, uh, since he doesn't appear to be doing anything right now, like Sonata kind of goes off on a little excursion and clashes. <laughs> since he uh, seems to be a little bit of a perennial bridesmaid right now, you know. Me, me, and Emily Pratt were talking on Twitter, and we reckon that um, uh, Kojima should get farmed out to Noah because he's the only person still wrestling who was who has been Triple Crown champion and IWGP Heavyweight champion, and him and Muto should have one last man standing go at it for the old awesome. guys. That is amazing. Yeah. That yeah. I'm not sure New Japan would be interested, but they are working with other people now, so we'd have to see. And of course, Noah did work with Impact not long ago. It's a different management team now, though. So, possibly, we will see. But there we go. Let's just move on to night two, though. 
which opened with Suzuki Gonduki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Gabriel Kidd, Yotosuji, and Ui Uemura in minutes and 51 seconds. Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. had bonded the previous night. They got absolutely hammered drunk and were still hungover for this match. Apparently, I'm sure they weren't. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a fun opener. Marcus, your thoughts? Yeah, what was the? It was um. Sorry, you had cut out. What was the first match? It was Duki Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. They defeated Gabriel Kidd, Yotosuji, and Yui Uemura. Oh yeah, yeah, this was uh. This was a fun match. Um, Dookie, I'm, I'm still, I'm still warming up to Dookie. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I know that, that it's as weird as it sounds, but um, yeah, like you said, it, it was a fun, uh, fun match. Uh, Imora is, is always fun, and and uh, yeah, it was just a, it was the fun open. I wasn't expecting much because it was coming off the, uh, obviously the, the first show. I kind of. Kind of limped to a finish, if you will, but um, it wasn't necessarily as fun as watching Suzuki victimize more people. As sad as it is, <laughs> it was fun. John, your thoughts? This just felt like um, oh yeah, they may have lost the tag belts, but they're still going strong, and I'm fine with that. It's yeah. it was just another fun young lion opener, and obviously uh, Zach Seb Junior just showing his vicious side at the end. I tell you what I would like to see, and this is Zack Sabre Jr. versus Gabriel Kidd in the first round of the New Japan Cup. That would be a bit of a corker, I think. Yeah. Two British style wrestlers, I mean, a British style match. It's kind of like Billy Robinson kind of shoot style. I'd like that. I think it'd be I'm fun. I'm trying to think if they've actually wrestled before. Probably somewhere in the UK in the dark. I think it was a. Six I, I'm not sure if. Was it Gabriel Kidd? Because Zack Sabre Jr. had um, one of his last sort of defiant matches was for the internet title, and I'm pretty sure it was against Gabriel Kidd. Because Kidd be went against a few sort of big names. I think he had one with Cody. One with. I was working behind the bar when it was on because it was at Northumbria Student Union. Right. And that, I'm trying to think if that was the match or not. I cannot be bothered to Google it, but we'll pretend it was. But yeah, that that would be well, isn't that that's the extent of wrestling journalism a lot of the time? We'll pretend it happens. <laughs> wrestling journalism. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, bad wrestling journalism, but we we know better because us three are good wrestling journalists. Uh, move on to the second match of the particular evening: Master Huato Show and Tomiyaka Homa accompanied by Hiroshi Tanzan, defeated Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Yoshinubi Kanemori in 8 minutes and 7 seconds. And quite frankly, I can't remember anything that happened in this match whatsoever. It was just like, Phew, all right, fair enough. Um, maybe I was dazzled by Master Wato's new trousers. John, your thoughts? He botched the finish. Well, yeah, twice. I can remember that. Not once, twice. Like, people were defending this on Twitter. It's like, oh... He had to do. Why are you getting so angry? Then he had to pop up twice because he shouldn't be going for something he can't do. Kanemaru was on his back for like ten minutes waiting for this to bloody happen. As Wato pops up, doesn't get enough momentum, tries again, hits the ropes, goes for a third time, and finally gets a bloody pinfall. Why yeah. is he doing things he can't do? It's it's logic one hundred and one. Stick to what you know. 
don't try and be flashy if it's going to bite you in the ass. Like, you can be as innovative as you want, but if it looks shit, it looks shit. And that's all he's doing at the moment. He's trying to do all this flashy, like, guff to go with this crappy gimmick. And it's just biting him in the ass match after match because all we're seeing is this awkward young guy who can deliver weak kicks, nearly fall out of the ring on flips, and fail to deliver a jackknife pin. Like, I can't defend that. You've got all the potential in the world and you're squandering it with the worst gimmick on the bloody planet of bad luck and clearly management doesn't give a damn about you. I'm sorry, Marcus. I should have let you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, like, this is why we need John. (laughs) The special guest on New Japan commentary for Wato matches, but it sounds like it sounds like he just became his like anti therapist. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I'm like I'm like you, James. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on this match, and Suzuki was in it. So um, I can't remember anything Suzuki did. Exactly. That's that's yeah. that's, that's what's weird. Um, and I guess that's a, a small micro to the to the macro of these two cards, if you will. But um, yeah, why well, I told you, he, he stood out this time and he, he got the win. Just wasn't necessarily good. But he got two wins on this show. So I guess that's uh, momentum, question mark, looking at John. <laughs> 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 mm. Okay, then. We'll move on to something slightly more enjoyable. Bushi, Hiruma Takahashi, Tetsu Yunoto defeated El Fantasmo, Taiji Ishimori, and Yujiro Takahashi in 9 minutes and 54 seconds. This was really pretty good and because i'll watch lij do tag moves all day long then i they could just do it on dummies and i'd be happy because it's just smooth as silk marcus what's so your thoughts on this how you see lp anywhere sorry say that again isn't that how you see lp anywhere yeah crash test dummy he's just i just i understand what he's trying to do right and i understand getting cheap heat that way is is cool and i suppose yeah just bores oh. the pants off me. Just not interested. It's like, eh. <laughs> like hey, yeah, but you know who does this better? Uh, Jay White. Uh, yeah, basically, that's <laughs> basically like he he's got he's got all that taken care of. Um, yeah, it's just funny because I think it was on the, the the previous show where he he did the, the after match promo like I'm tired of you holding me down and holding him down. I'm like. God damn it, Taiji is now playing the second man to him. <laughs> <laughs> he already had to play the second man on Romu when he had the strap. Now he's taking a back seat to freaking uh Ty- I need I'm gonna need Taiji to pull an evil one good time and just snap on everybody. Um But yeah, uh, this this is always fun. LIJ's fluidity is uh again, it's just kind of something you got to see. That they they are literal smooth criminals. They are. Indeed they are. John. I'm sure you're going to have a more shining opinion of it than me. <laughs> to be fair, this match was fine. I couldn't find anything to hit. As you said, LIJ, best at what they do. Probably the best sort of pound-for-pound pound tag faction in New Japan. And it's it's just kind of sad to see that Takahashi's gone back being the pin man. They let him have a, a little streak of perhaps elevating him. And then it's just like, nope, you see these pins? You're going to take all of them now. It's because Chase wasn't there. Um, 
and there is also the point that like they needed him to look strong for the G1 and the World Tag League, and now that's not there. Well, you're kind of like cannon fodder. Takashi back in the early 2010s was a serious contender. You know, he was a serious heavyweight challenger, and uh, he's just kind of dropped off. He ch- um, one of the earliest shows I saw to, um, uh, Takashi on was challenging Maccabe, I think it was. They had a corker. It was about two thousand, about seven or eight years ago. He hasn't had a great match like that since. Him and uh, yeah, Maccabe. Um, I think it was the tail end of the Chaos GBH uh, war, and uh, it was a corking match. And not really any seen anything that good out of him since. It's I suppose he had... sad because he shows little flashes here and there in matches, and then it's just like up, oh, and he's eating another pin. He had the never open weight championship for about a month in he beat Nakamura. Not Nakamura. He'd been Ishii, wouldn't it? He beat Ishii and what dropped it back to Ishii over his face for a month one summer in about 2014. And that's been really as far as he's gone, which is really sad because I think he's he's talented. He's a good wrestler and he's but he's just kind of a glue guy. He you need him to make other matches work. <laughs> so that's about that, really. Marcus, have you talked about this match? I don't think you have. Oh no, you did. Um, yeah. Sorry, that's kind of like this is where this series of cards comes unglued because everything's getting messy. Bullet Club, Dick Togo, and Evil uh, wrestled Kazuchika Okada and Toriyano, which went to a double count out at one minute and twenty seven seconds. Then Okada insisted on a singles match with Evil, which went to five minutes and forty one seconds, which ended when Evil had Okada in the Scorpion Deathlock, and then. Uh, Dick Togo came in to interfere, which made no sense because surely his guy was about to win, in which case it means they're just out to hurt Okada. So why would you have them in your company? There's all sorts of logic issues with this, which is usually New Japan doesn't fall apart on because they do things in a logical manner. And this was this felt wrong because it wasn't logical and nothing of this made sense. And it also just wasn't very good. Um, Marcus, no, sorry, John, your thoughts. Hey Marcus, remember when you said Vince Russo is secretly booking New Japan? I think we found the, the actual spot. What what was this? What what purpose did it fill? Like Yano just got the world's easiest payday. I think he just stood in the ring and then watched as they got counted out. And was like, oh cool, I'm taking my money, going home. Then you had this singles affair that did nothing at all, but make both guys kind of look stupid. Yeah, it just Again, did, this, did... this is all Carter. Yeah. What? This is a lit, literal wrestling deity. He... <laughs> I wish you would this... stop referring to the fact Evil won the double titles as well because he did nothing with them. He beat like Hiromu and then that was it. Yeah. He lost them again instantly. It's, it's not worth memorizing. So it's like, oh yes, Okada's fighting a former champion. It's like, Okada's held the belt for like near enough evil's entire career or at least that's what it feels like half the time <laughs> it's just like what why are these two feuding exactly why did they pick this route to do it why why have that finish this this entire sort of series of shows was just littered with weird finishes left right and center yeah it just why? didn't it didn't click and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Evil. I don't think there's anything wrong with Okada. And actually, I was quite invested in Evil versus Okada feud. But this is not the way to go about it, in my opinion. Marcus, you may have different thoughts, though. 
Uh, no, it just it felt off, man. Like anytime I, I uh, you know, uh, a DQ happens, I think I'm being punked. Yeah, because <laughs> having a new Japan is weird. Um, and then they did that, and I, I kind of got excited for a minute. Like, okay, Okada's just like, I'm, I'm done playing these games. Get back in here. I'm going to stomp you into your next life, and then I'm gonna be done with you. And that didn't happen. Uh, Togo came out to be a dick. But <laughs> <laughs> And and the saga continues, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is the thing. All the talents there, you know, all of them can go. Dick Togo is a better wrestler than half the people on the New Japan roster. But it's just poor in the wrong place. All the energy is going in the wrong direction, and I don't understand why they're doing it this way. But there we go. Having said that, the shining high spot of this entire two-day debacle was the uh, Never Open Weight Six-Man Tag Team Championship. Again, like, it has literally saved this company over the last six months. Do you know what I want to see? I want to see Goto, Yoshiashi, and Ishii having long, drama-filled, baby-faced tag team matches where Yoshihashi gets beat up for 15 minutes and then they make a massive rally and come back and win against the odds. That's what I want to see. Every match. Because <laughs> it's just ace. And it works, and it's fun. And they set this up perfectly in on the Road 2 tours. Yoshihashi was whipping point for Bullet Club. At one point, they just beat him up and gave him finisher and after finisher after finisher, and they had to throw in the... Chaos had to throw in the towel. This was the big comeback matchup. They've made these titles interesting. they made the champions the most interesting thing in the company. Everybody loves this team. They're well worth the effort. More of this, please. Marcus, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm just happy for, um, like, Ishii's always going to be Ishii. He's fine, really, in any scenario. But I'm, I'm happy for Yoshiashi because he's always, you know, we talked about him a lot. Um, where you can't, you know, the, the person that's getting in his way the most tends to be him. Mm. Uh, and then, you you know, my boy, I'm, all, I'm always rooting for Goto. But sometimes it's felt like when he's not been around a never open weight title or not held a title, he's kind of just floating around. So, to have them, you know, locked in together like this and, and have a purpose and, and picking up steam is uh, great. Um, and the fact that, you know, like I said, Ishii is like the cherry on top and this this hodgepodge team that's kind of gelling together and, and the fans are loving it. It did feel weird, though, because, like, I had to kind of go back and rewind. I'm like, wait a minute, did he actually, did Jay White actually concuss Ishii? Like, I had to, I'm not used to that. Like I'm again, there's a couple couple times on these shows, I felt like I was in the twilight zone in New Japan. Um, but yeah, this is absolutely working. Um, they could, you know, they could take this all the way to next uh, Wrestle Kingdom, man. They 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 really have a unique momentum that we've not really had with those titles in a while. You know, oftentimes you almost forget about the six man never open weight titles. At least I do. So now that you know. Uh, they found the right momentum. It's, it's really cool to see. Definitely. And of course, Yoshihashi has a pinfall over the IWGP Tag Team Champions. And Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto will be challenging for those tag team titles shortly soon. And of course, they beat Jay White in his first big match comeback, which is really cool. John, what are your thoughts on this match? I really can't complain about it. it it's as you said, it was fun. It had purpose. It felt like a New Japan match. It didn't pull any stupid shit. It was just half an hour of fun. And we had big match Goto. 
big match Yoshihashi and big match Ishii taking on Bullet Club, who are practically always big match ready in this kind of unit. It's like you're never going to see a bad match out of Jay White because he knows how to be in any type of match. Like he was still being his sort of dickheaded self throughout this <laughs> match. It worked perfectly because he was there to foil half of the sort of big comeback spots and to mess with Ishii. It, it was just fun. Like I can't sort of describe much of the action because I'm just there like, finally... Something enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It's just like good wrestling done well. Yeah. Like even we, I showed um, Dara O'Connor, who obviously is the presenter on the Wrestling Rewind. He reviewed the the big New Japan shows over the the, the, the Never Open Way tournament over the summer, and he don't watch New Japan at all. He hadn't watched it since since the Elite left, right? And I showed him that tournament, and he loved Chaos. He thought, you know, the Chaos versus Chaos final was one of the best matches he saw all of last year. He didn't know who they were, didn't know what whether they were babyface or heel, couldn't tell whether they were babyface or heel, had a rollicking good time. And he said it was ace. He really enjoyed watching it. So, you know, because they told the stories properly, and this is just what New Japan does so well. Why couldn't you do this for the other five hours of these shows? Anywho, um, next up, we have the final match of the evening and the final match for us to review. Kota Ibushi defeats Sonata in 27 minutes and 51 seconds in another athletic, breathtaking display of a well-told story between two guys who were really good, but that's all I can say about it. It was an athletic matchup. It was well worth the entry fee, but again, Sonata's kind of anti-personality. It's not even like cool calm anymore. It's kind of like a black hole of emptiness that is there where Sonata's personality used to be doesn't lend itself to this kind of main event match too often and I think he's had probably one too many until he does something about that it was you know we, we joked about the evil match at Wrestle Kingdom where they wrote but he wrote a blog post and got quite aggrieved and then decided to work out his frustrations three months after he got angry and this is what that felt like only he's not angry at Ibushi he just wants to wrestle him. He was somewhat uh, irked by losing the G1 Climax final to Ibushi, and that's what this match was about. And they spent an awful lot of time shaking hands. Which is nice if you've got more of a personality to make this work. John, your thoughts? This is going to be pretty blasphemous. For about 20 of the 27 minutes and 51 seconds, this was boring. I don't disagree with you. I think it was a great wrestling match. I don't think I was interested in it. Like, I can't fault the wrestling. I can't fault the closing stretch. That was awesome. I can't fault the few times Sonata actually mustered some energy in this match. Ironically enough, the thing I enjoyed the most about this match was Zack Sabre Jr. on commentary. And that's only because I have my volume loud enough to hear him. That is the point, yes. I don't know what they did to his mic, but he was quiet as hell, and he was just... He actually dissected Skull End and um, basically tore down the fact that it's not a dragon sleeper. It's a neck crank. And he was just sort of like cutting (laughs) holes in Sonata's offense a lot of the time. He He was basically being a wrestling analyst. 
in this yeah. sort of quiet, semi-awkward, dickheadish tone, and it was brilliant. It added this extra layer to a match I didn't really want to watch. The trouble is, I had full. Vo- I had it, uh, my headphones in because I had the washer going and my full volume up, and I still couldn't understand a word he said. But here we are. But yeah, I think you're about right. I think that that was the issue. It was just. It wasn't awful. It was really good. It was a great wrestling match. In the same way that I used to think Steve Gray and Johnny Saint matches were great wrestling matches, but they both had personality and an urgency about them when you're watching them. You can have two baby faces wrestle each other and it doesn't have to be boring. This wasn't exciting. Marcus, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we're big Sonata fans here. I've been following Sonata since he uh, debuted in Impact the Saint Sonata and his... Uh, very uh interesting journey <laughs> in, into into new japan and whatnot um but it, it's you know like i said i love the guy never not want to watch one of his matches uh, but it's getting to the point where if like somebody had never watched new japan and you know they looked at sonata and like i think i could be interested in that guy and i had to describe him in like one sentence i I probably tell him like he'll lose some of the best matches consistently you'll ever see yeah and that's and that, yeah. That's that's the thing. He has to win some at some point. Yeah, because he's that's that's the issue. I mean, it's like how how many chances did he have against Okada, and they were all absolute stellar efforts. They were amazing matches, but he lost them, and you knew he was going to lose them. And he goes into this match with Ibushi, and you know he's going to lose this one because it, you know. All right, the title has changed and on first defense Tanashi a couple of years ago. Uh, Akada, no, Jay White in 2019. But they're not going to do it again because it's happened too quickly. And they need to establish Ibushi as as a champion. And you've just got one champion who's an outsider. He came from DDT. You're not going to give the same chance to another guy who came from Wrestle 1. (laughs) So it's, it's, yeah, it's just... Like I, like I said, it, it, it's you know it's uh, turning into the bridesmaid syndrome uh, thing, and I don't, yeah. I don't need to try to you know go back to the drawing board and and you know refigure some stuff out and and like you know maybe win the IC strap or, or go or change things up and and kick into that deviousness or something to turn it up from a vicious standpoint, and go after the never open way. But he needs to do something because you know I'm I'm kind of getting exhausted with him even being around the title. At this point, yeah, I want to see him come out back as Cold Skull, disillusioned because all he's done is lose for the past three years and just cave someone's head in with a baseball bat, like just full on merciless assault, just taking out three years of being an absolute loser on someone's head. I think that's I think that's the issue you've got, really. You know, I think that's he needs some kind of big change, and this is no knock on Coach Ibushi. A lot of the time when we've talked about things, we've talked about the 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 stuff that's been bad and like the person that's had the good performance we've kind of ignored and we probably shouldn't do that. Kota Bushi's performance was perfectly fine and his build up to the matches has been fun, it's been cute and trying to like foster a relationship with Hiromu and show and it's been funny and stuff. But equally the champion's only as good as the challenges he turns back. And I mean, yeah, we can see her like we can see Ibushi carry a broom to a five star match, but he's got to have a personality to work against. And Sonata yeah. hasn't got one. I wouldn't say I say he's got a personality, but it's an anti personality. 
Sonada's personality and impact wrestling when he first started was no personality. Mm-hmm. He was just a smile and a haircut. Yeah. You know, that was it. You know, he didn't have any because he was like well, he, he he entered like the Campeones de Parejas in Shikara on all the only high flying movie he had was a moonsault. And it's like that's the title for the flyers. Why is he there? It, you know, it just doesn't a lot of the things he did didn't compute and then. And then when he turned heel to the great Sonata, well, it was the obvious thing to do. It didn't work either. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, so. yeah, it's, you know, like I said, the, the pattern is just, it's, it's doing him no favors because I'm, I'm going into almost every match he has, specifically anything with a title around it, already capped off in terms of investment. Yeah, because, like, we none of us kind of we all predicted that evil would win that match at Wrestle Kingdom, and it was good that he got that win. But when he gets to the main event and it really matters, he loses again and he chokes again, and therefore you're not going in there with any chance that you should go into every championship match with the idea that someone's gonna take the title off the champion. And I don't think any three of us or anyone else on this planet thought that Sonata would take that championship. I imagine the diehards probably did, but I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's the issue. It's Arn Anderson's Cactus Jack, apparently, the 20th anniversary of wrestling on TBS. There was a party, and the following night was Clash of the Champions, and Cactus Jack was uh, joking that, like, like 20 years ago on the first night, maybe the championship will change hands. To which Arn Anderson responded, I don't care if the motherfucker dies. You will flay down and roll him on top of you. <laughs> well, that'd be a great shirt. <laughs> right then, that pretty much covers us, brings us to the end of today's coverage of Hiroshima, New Beginnings in. The it next one really is called New Beginnings, though. It was more just the same old shit. <laughs> New beginnings, reasonably similar matches in New Hiroshima. Uh, next big event for New Japan is Castle Attack. Oh, we've got the New Beginning USA, which is in uh, the New Japan Strong Show, which will be John Moxley versus Kenta, the only match shown uh, announced for that. Castle Attack. Oh, 48th anniversary show is coming up as well. Castle Attack has no matches booked yet. It's at Osaka Joe Hall. And that's on the 28th of February, uh, 27th and 28th. It's another two-nighter. Why are they doing this to us? Why would you have another two-nighter around the 48th anniversary show a week later? Why? 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 Just why? No one needs this. This goes just... back to what I was saying earlier. Why are they running so many tours if they don't have the bloody talent to run it? It's, it's stupid. You might as yeah. well take the downtime potentially risk the minor financial loss your fan base is still going to be there even if they're not getting new events every bloody week you're not doing your talent any favors you're not doing your finances any favors and you're not doing your audience any favors nobody wants to sit and watch continuous shows of differing quality because you have a limited talent pool busting their asses off half the time to put on shows that they don't really want to be at it's kind they're running themselves into a ditch at like lightning speed i can't disagree with that to an extent though i can see the issue against it the issue against it is that 
like we said, Noah just put a capacity crowd into Buick and Hall yesterday. And they have to show a strong presence and to keep the toes up to show that they are ahead of the competition in the home market, which is understandable, but they can't run the shows that they used to run. They're they physically can't put as many people into matches because of COVID regulations and the cards can't be as long. So they're kind of stuck. I can understand what you're saying. Yes, I think it'd be worthwhile if they went to three weeks on and three weeks off instead of two weeks on and two weeks off like they have been doing. You know, then you get like, a, well, two, two, three weeks off and two weeks on, you get an extra week of rest day and then you could do an intense tour for two weeks. But it's it's just the it's the way of the Japanese business model, isn't it? And it's hard to shake that. I don't it's know. It's kind of sad though, because it's not showing strength against the competition; it's showing insecurity. Because it's like, oh god, no, we just pulled off a big show. They're going to take our top spot. No, they're not. You've got the biggest corporation behind you. Just remember <laughs> that for once, instead of trying to continuously pack in shows. To be fair, now we're having an even bigger corporation behind them. Yeah, but Noah's still rising at the moment. It's not going yeah. to overtake them anytime soon, as much as like diehard Noah fans would like to think. New Japan's position is fairly safe. Oh yeah. I definitely. wish they would remember that and stop like risking that with cards like this. Fair enough. That's reasonable. <laughs> okay then. We will call it a day there. On the slight downer that has been this show, hey, look, we do like wrestling, but we aren't going to tell them tell you it's good when it's not. It's just so simple. Okay, I'd like to thank my guest today, Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? Oh, thank you, man. Always a pleasure. Even if the wrestling shows don't deliver, these shows always do. Um, <laughs> you can always find me on Twitter at ParadoxKid. That's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. Nice, sensible, logical, non-racist people, please. <laughs> always, all Troopity Show fans are always like that. John, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter, the edgiest Twitter handle ever. I am the literary king of the death matches, self-proclaimed. You will find all sorts of links there to writing, rants, opinions, donation pages, because it was important. All sorts of stupid shit like that. Ironically enough, there are no Master Wato opinions on Twitter because I fear his fans would tear me apart the second I dare insult a crappy pinfall attempt. I don't think you've got a problem with that. You know, if you try that stuff with Sammy Callahan, then the hounds come after you. But I think I, you're all right with Master Wato. I shit you <laughs> not. I, was, I googled Master Wato yesterday because I was trying to show a couple of my friends the um, botched pin attempt. I was looking for a, a gif of it or a clip of it. And the amount of people defending Master Wato or claiming he's their favorite wrestler or claiming how innovative he is is scary. Like, people are entitled to their opinions, but, like, I, you might want to saddle your um, hopes to a better horse. That one's going to give out in a couple of years, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the fans now, did we ever cover a show where. Wato is teaming with Callahan. I'm telling you guys now, I'm probably going to be giving the only positive word. <laughs> Sammy Callahan is amazing. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, but if he was paired with Wato, he'd basically be wrestling with one leg. Oh, yeah, no, nah, I know, but I know you'd be covering Wato and James. Or <laughs> so I'd be stuck in the middle watching for two parents fight like. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we'd all safely say none of us watched this match. Um, also, John doesn't accept racist on your particular Twitter account either, do you? I mean, isn't that a given? Yeah, we're just we're just raising this that Black Lives Matter, and of course, we we don't support racism in any way, shape, or form. Just yeah, basically. Fuck off if you're racist. Fuck off if you're homophobic, and fuck off if you're a turf. Bye. There we go. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. That's very direct signaling. Again. A t-shirt worthy uh, momentum there. <laughs> Sorry for all the swearing this week. We, we'll probably stop the swearing next week. Um, oh, God, there's a rule in place that I've just completely ignored. It's all right. I don't I, I, occasionally, but not like you know, just go on a wrong expletive filled rant. Anywho, my name's James Troopany. You find me at Sheriff Lowenstein. You find the show at Troopany Show, and you can find us on Patreon, where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone as well as on Facebook as well. We don't have any Facebook followers. We've got quite a few Twitter followers, about 400. be nice if we had more than 12 Facebook followers. I don't know. I think basically it's because wrestling fans don't really do Facebook, which is fair enough. Why would you want to know about your maiden aunt's opinions on uh, President Trump? But there we go. Anyway, take care. Have a present week. Next week, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about, but I'm sure it will be cool. And we'll speak to you then. Bye! Has it not started recording? It will start recording eventually. I hope it does. Where's my recording button gone? Alright, let's put you guys. Oh, it's just frozen up on me. With you in a second, lads. Oh, there's the start starting recording buttons there now. Oh. I mean it it says here it's been recording for like the past twenty seconds. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't always show up and I want the call on view so I can see what's happening. There we go. That's better. Right, I'll edit it all out in the beginning.